So when I was a child, uh, I grew up going to church. My parents are faithful Christians, and they always took my sister and my brother and me to church every Sunday while we were growing up. And we didn't have a choice in the matter because our family went to church. And so I grew up around the Bible. Um, I heard the message of Jesus from pretty much the moment I was born. And as I got older, I believed it and I was baptized. But like many of you, I've also had my seasons of doubt and my seasons of wandering from God. And one of those seasons was when I first went off to college. And when I went off to school, I, I took advantage of the new freedom that I had being away from home and with no parents and no curfews. And so I would go out with friends and I would do the sort of things you would imagine that a college student might do. And during this time, I, I just honestly didn't think much about my faith. It wasn't something that was important to me and it wasn't something that was on my mind. But <clears throat> I look back to one particular night where I had crossed a line that I had said sort of in my heart that I would never cross. And maybe you know what I mean. Maybe, maybe you know what I mean. Maybe you've been there yourself. But I was back in my dorm room that night and I just remember feeling shame rush over me. And I could not believe that I had done that thing and I had acted that way. And I remember saying to myself, God, God I don't want to live this way. And right there in my dorm, I was facing a spiritual battle that night. And then in a moment, the Spirit of God put a verse of the Scriptures into my head, and that verse was Romans 12, verse 2, that says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I remember saying to myself through tears, God, I don't want to be conformed to this world, but I want to be transformed. In that moment, I surrendered my life over to God in a way that I never had before. And to be completely honest, my life has never been the same since. Because in that moment, the power of the Scripture reset the entire trajectory of my life. 2 Timothy 3 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Church, I love this book. In my college dorm room 16 years ago, the Spirit of God put the words of this book deep into my soul, and Jesus came into my life and transformed me, and I've never been the same. And one of my greatest desires as the pastor of this church is that you would love this book. One of my greatest desires is that you would know this book and that as you know this book and study this book and pray this book and sing this book and meditate on the words of this book, I pray that you would come to know the surpassing love of Jesus in your life because every page of this book points to Him. And I want you to love this book in a way that leads you to Jesus, in a way that leads you to love Him and to abide in Him, and in a way that He conquers your fears and lifts your shame and brings satisfaction and joy into your life. You see, we've been studying Ephesians chapter 6 over the last several weeks where the Apostle Paul talks about how we can face spiritual battles in our lives. And today we're looking at Ephesians 6, verse 17, where he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And in verse 17 he says, And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Paul says that when we fight our battles, we better take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And a sword is a unique weapon. I mean, it's not a long-range weapon. It's meant specifically to be used in up-close, face-to-face combat. 
And we need the sword of the Spirit in those moments when temptation is in our face and trying to take us down. We need the sword of the Spirit in those moments when those accusing thoughts of shame are right in front of us trying to overwhelm us. We need the sword of the Spirit in those moments in our life where fear feels like it's surrounding us on every side, paralyzing and crippling us from moving forward into the life that God wants for us. See, the sword of the Spirit is for those moments when the devil is right up in your face trying to take you down. And Paul says you need the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so it says here in this passage that the Spirit of God has a sword that He has put into your hands to use in spiritual battles. Well, the question is, well, what is this sword? I think of Hebrews 4, which says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so you say, well, what is the Word of God? What does that mean? If you've been around church a while, you might say, well, that's an easy question. The Word of God is the Bible. Like, I've got the Word of God in my hands. But really, that's not a complete understanding of what the Bible means when it uses the phrase Word of God. You see, in the Greek, which is the language that the New Testament was written in, there's three primary words that the Bible uses to describe the Word of God. And those words are graphe, logos, and rhema. The first is graphe, which literally means the writings. You see, Scripture is called the writings. You know, this book that I'm holding in my hand is the Word of God in written form. I mean, there's pages with words and letters. Uh, And I would guess this is the graphe. And I would guess that most of you watching right now have a copy of the Bible somewhere in your home. If not an actual copy, if you don't have an actual copy, then you have one on your phone or your tablet. We all have a copy of the graphe. But that's not the word that Paul uses right here. He doesn't say, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the graphe of God. That's not what he says. You see, I think many of us, we treat the Bible like it's like a lucky charm or something. Like So we have copies of the Bible around our house. We put it on our desk or in our car, and we think that maybe having this book around might curry us some favor with God, and it might even like ward off the evil spirits or the devil. And we think that maybe if we just leave it around the house and hoping that just by having it around, we might somehow magically pick up on some of its truth and it might magically protect us in some way. I I don't know if you've seen this meme going around, but I think that many of us treat the Bible the same way that this kid uh, treats this book uh, trying to learn his schoolwork. I mean, we think that if we just have it around, we might somehow by osmosis pick up something of what it says. But the truth is the only way the written word of God is of any use to us is if we actually open it up and read it. You see that nice leather-bound copy of the Bible that looks so good sitting on your coffee table or bookshelf? It will do you no good if you haven't read the words that it contains. So the graphe is not what Paul means when, when he says the sword of the Spirit. We don't fight our battles with the graphe, but it is needed, and I'll explain, to that, I'll explain that to you in a little bit. But the second word of the Bible used to describe the Word of God is logos, which is the message of the Word. You see, the Logos is the message that you will receive and know if you read the Graphe. John chapter 1 uses this word Logos and tells us what it is. He says, And the Word, the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, 
full of grace and truth. So the Logos, the message of the Word of God, is Jesus. You see, one of the core values of our church is that we are committed to knowing Christ through the Scriptures. Because we recognize that the purpose of the Scriptures is to tell us who Jesus is, what He is like, and how we can know Him. The Bible is the way that we come to know who Jesus is. And Jesus is the message and the meaning of the Bible. And you say, well, what what does that mean? What is the message of the Bible? The message of the Bible is that God created us out of His love. And He desired for us to have a relationship with Him. He desired for us to worship Him and obey Him. But, you know, we as humans have a propensity to mess up good things, don't we? And we messed up our relationship with God by disobeying Him and rejecting Him. The Bible calls this sin. And sin separated us from God. And the Old Testament tells the story of people trying to return back to God. But we continue throughout the Old Testament to fail and to continue to disobey and to continue to reject God's desire to know us and to have a relationship with us. So the Old Testament is this back and forth of God reaching into our lives, showing us how to live, and then us pulling back and rejecting God's love and His movement toward us. And it leaves us, when we read the Old Testament, with this sense of wonder, or a sense of wondering, can we ever truly be reconciled to God? But then the New Testament begins, and it tells the story of God becoming like us, being born into this broken world, suffering like we do, feeling the pain of being human. The Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. And Jesus, we read about His life. He faced every temptation that we do, but never sinned. He felt every pain that we feel. But in the midst of all of it, He showed compassion and healed the sick and fed the poor, embraced the outcasts, comforted the hurting, and welcomed sinners. He obeyed God fully, and He lived the life that you and I have failed to live. But even though He was innocent and fully good, He took the punishment for each of our failures onto Himself, and He died the death that we deserve. And three days later, He defeated death and our sin by rising from the grave. And then He offers an invitation to us. He says that all who would believe in Him and follow Him, our sin can be forgiven and we can have eternal life and we can be restored back to God. And this means that our sin and our shame and our guilt no longer have the power over us because Jesus has removed those things. This means that we will never be alone because Christ is always with us. And this means that no matter what anyone else thinks or says about us, we are accepted and approved of by God because of Jesus. That is the message of the Bible. And when we read that, we see that Jesus also validates all the promises of God and all the commandments of God and all the encouragements of the Bible. So because of Jesus, we know that the promises of God are true for us and we know that the commands of God are good for us. And because of Jesus, we know that we can have a relationship with God. We know that our sins can be forgiven and that we can have eternal life. Through Jesus, the message of the Word, we can have new life, abundant life, and eternal life because of Him. That is the message of the Bible. That is the logos of the graphe. And that's good news. But that's still not what Paul means when he talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Paul does not say the sword of the Spirit, which is the logos of God. He uses the word rhema. He says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. And the best way that I can describe this is that this is 
the Holy Spirit's use of the message of the word. So I know that you're probably confused right now. You're like, I don't know Greek. What is he talking about? Listen, I'm trying to show you that there's a logical progression here. So think of it like this. We read the graphe to understand and know the logos. But the rhema is the way that the Holy Spirit uses what we know to encourage us, comfort us, correct us, and challenge us. And you say, well, I'm still confused. Well, so for you, my wife gave me this analogy that I think is helpful. Imagine that the CEO of your company sends out a memo that says, starting this week, you know, company, we will begin observing casual Friday in the office. So the graphe is the memo itself. The logos is the message of that memo. Hey, we're doing casual Fridays now. The rhema is you putting into practice the message of that memo. So the rhema is on Friday morning, waking up, leaving the tie or the skirt on the dresser and putting on a pair of jeans and t-shirt, Zuckerberg style. Graphe, logos, rhema. So at the beginning of this sermon, I told you the story of how I grew up in church, how I read the Bible, how I'd heard the Bible taught, hundreds of sermons, hundreds of Bible studies. I knew the message of the Bible and I knew who Jesus was. But even though I knew it, I wandered away from Him during a season. And even though I knew the message of Jesus, there was a season in my life where I wandered from Him and I wasn't living according to what I knew. And then one night when I was so ashamed of my sin and my behavior and I was fearful of the direction and the trajectory that my life was on, in a moment in my dorm room, the Holy Spirit recalled to my memory a verse from Romans chapter 12 that says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. And I don't know, honestly, where I memorized that verse. I don't know when or where I first heard it. It could have been in Sunday school when I was a kid. It could have been in a sermon that I heard preached. It could have been that I read it on my own. I don't know how it got lodged into my brain, but the fact of the matter is that it was in there. And the moment that I needed it, the Holy Spirit brought it back to me and it completely changed the course of my life. That is the rhema. That's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit bringing to your memory and giving you the courage to put into use the message of the Word. So here's the main point that I want to make this morning. You must know the Word of God so that you can use the Word of God. You know, I hope you've seen that there's a a progression here. You have the graphe in your home. Uh, You have the written words of God, either on your bookshelf or your coffee table or on your phone or on your tablet. And if you read that book and you study it and you hear it taught, you will, over time, learn its message, which is the way of and the work of Jesus, the Lagos. But then the rhema is when the Spirit of God takes what you know and applies it to what you need or what others need and gives you the words to believe or say in a given moment. But here is what I don't want you to miss today. The Spirit of God cannot recall to your mind in moments of need something that isn't there. This is why Psalm 119 says, I have hidden God's Word in my heart so that I might not sin against Him. It's got to be in there if if you want the Spirit to use it. 
So if you want to experience this sword of the Spirit, if you want to have something that you can take up when the devil or when evil or when temptation is in your face or when accusation and shame and fear are in your face, if you want to have something to take up and fight, you need to know this book. You need to read it. You need to study it. You need to memorize it. You need to pray it. You need to meditate on it because you can't recall to your mind what's not in there. Look, I know that we're all in a very, very, very difficult season right now. You've got a pandemic. You've got division in our country. We're having this painful conversation about racism and how the systems of our nation are built. We're grieving the injustice of the death of George Floyd. We have a contentious presidential election coming up. And all of this is overwhelming and it's causing all of us to be tired, angry, fearful, defensive, sad, lonely, and every other emotion on the gamut. And I'm watching and I see so many Christians walking around in a stupor right now with nothing to say. And many of you are trying to figure out why you're so overwhelmed by these things and you're trying to understand why you don't know what to say or how to think in this moment. And you're wondering why you're at a loss for words when you're trying to comfort a friend. And I'll just be honest, it's because many of you just simply don't know what's in this book. Many Christians have shown themselves to be completely unprepared for this moment that we're in right now as a country. And they're unprepared and they lack a rhema word from God in this moment because they never took up the graphe and learned the logos. So the spirit has nothing to work with. Now, I don't say this to shame you or beat you up. I say this as your pastor because I truly love you. And I say this because I see it in my own life. I want you to love this book. And I want you to soak in this book and I want you to worship the Jesus that this book proclaims so that you will be able to know what he says and you'll be able to stand firm with him when you face spiritual battles. And you say, well, how can I do that? The first thing you need to know is that sermons and groups and Bible studies are amazing resources, especially for those of you who are new Christians. I mean, it's great to read this book in a community so that you can ask questions, so that you can talk through your doubts and your confusions. I mean, this is why as a church, we offer growth groups and all sorts of other kinds of groups to help you know and understand the Word of God so that the Spirit can use it to shape and mold your life and so that you can speak life into others. You know, when you're driving in New Jersey and you stop to get gas, uh, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but in New Jersey, they have full service. You pull up, the gas station attendant walks out and pumps your gas for you. It's a great thing. You can sit in your vehicle and you receive what you need to move you further down the road. That's great in New Jersey, but if you keep driving, you're going to end up in Pennsylvania or some other state. And you're going to, there's going to be a moment where you need to know how to pump the gas for yourself or else you won't be able to make it further down the road. And so it's important that Christians learn how to study this book for themselves in the notes here in, on this live stream and on our website, we now are offering a Bible reading plan that many of our women's ministry leaders have put together and that we as a church are going to be going through for the next several weeks. And this plan, I encourage you to click on it, study it, take a look at it. This plan will take you through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the book of Acts over the next few months. And I encourage all of us to participate in this. Take 15 minutes of your day each day over the next three months. Pour a cup of coffee, take your graffe, Learn the Lagos, and I promise you that as you absorb the truth of God's Word in your heart, there will be moments in your life in the future where the Holy Spirit of God will speak to you and will say, hey, you remember that morning when you read about what Jesus did there? Well, I need you to know that He can do that here in this moment.
in your life. So be, be encouraged, be comforted. Or there will come a time when a friend will come to you for advice and they're struggling and they don't know what to think. And the Holy Spirit of God in that moment will say to you, hey, hey, you remember what Jesus said to those people then? You can encourage your friend with those words now. You see, church, I want you to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, so that we can fight our spiritual battles with confidence and with victory. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let me pray for you this morning, church. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Word the graphe that we can pick up and we can read and learn about Jesus, the Logos. But God, as we learn about who Jesus is, I pray that you put, bring your spirit into our lives that gives us the confidence and the courage to take Jesus at his word and obey what he says for us to do. And I pray, God, that, you, that your spirit would give us the words to say in times of conflict, that your spirit would give us the mind of Christ when we need it. And so, God, I pray that we as a church would be a church that is so committed to knowing the Christ through the knowing Christ through the Scriptures, that Your Spirit can use us in moments of need, in our lives and in the lives of our, the people around us. So, God, we thank You for Your Word, and it's in Your name we pray. Amen.